Hey there, Conquerors, and welcome to the Conquering Columbus podcast, the only podcast that brings you the stories of all the incredible founders and business leaders throughout our great city that are shaping our growth. This week, we get the chance to talk with Bob Otter. He's a actually a firefighter out of the Granville Township Fire Department, but he's also founded his own company, Citizen Aid, a nonprofit. And we'll talk more about their mission and all the things Citizen Aid are doing to uh, support people around the country and uh, help us be better prepared for disasters. But we really think you guys are going to enjoy this episode with Bob. And as always, we hope you learn a lot. Before we get to that episode, though, as usual, we got to take a quick moment to thank all of our incredible sponsors here at Conquering Columbus. And that starts with Small Biz Cares. Small Biz Cares is a nonprofit founded by socially conscious community leaders here in Columbus, and their goal is to connect, mobilize, and inspire small businesses to create lasting positive impact in our community. Small Biz Cares members have the unique opportunity to work with like-minded businesses to raise money and participate in large-scale volunteer efforts and improve educational opportunity for youth in our community. To learn more, visit smallbizcares.org. That's smallbizcares.org. .org. Conquering Columbus is also brought to you in part by the Sundown Group. The Sundown Group is an Ohio-based nonprofit helping connect entrepreneurs to everything they need, including investors, mentors, capital, and talent through business pitch events, workshops, and classes throughout the state. And you can get more information on the web at sundownrundown.org. And now I'm going to kick it back to Josh to tell you about our last sponsor, FMX. FMX is a cloud-based facilities maintenance and management software founded and headquartered right here in Columbus, Ohio. There's a lot of competitors in this space, but FMX has made a name for itself, become the fastest growing facilities maintenance and management software on the market on behalf of its extreme ease of use and tailored fit approach to its clients. They serve industries ranging from education to property management, manufacturing, fast casual, and more. If you want to check out more, you can go to gofmx.com. All right, Congress. Let's get the show on the road. You could drop me anywhere on the planet in any environment, and I might get, you know, my head kicked in in the beginning, but I'll find a way to survive. I'll find a way to get the job done. Yeah, there's a little doubt, but you know what? Once again, I think of that guy in my ear. I think about stepping up to the stage. I think about the challenge. Like, I've lost sometimes, but I've won more than I've lost. And so, like, I bet on me any day. Choosing greatness. Greatness doesn't choose you. You know, you have to choose it. And, you know, it's hard. I think there was a hunger in me. There was a desire just to make a difference. There was a desire to not just be status quo, a desire to not be average. This is Conquering Columbus. Hey there, Conquerors, and welcome to another episode of the Conquering Columbus podcast. Today on the show, we've got Bob Otter joining us, and Bob is a longtime firefighter for the Granville Township Fire Department here in Columbus, as well as the founder of Citizen Aid, a platform designed to train everyday people to save lives between the time a person is wounded and the time help arrives. Citizen Aid has developed several disaster prevention tools for citizens, including a free app, online training courses, and public treatment kits, as well as wall stations. And we're really excited to have Bob on the show today to talk about everything Citizen Aid has going on and all the things he's doing to help. Welcome to Conquering Columbus, Bob. Mike, thanks so much. Appreciate having you and Mike, excuse me, you and Josh uh, having me on today. Yeah, and first off, 
thanks for your service as a firefighter. First responders are huge, and it's exciting to have a chance to talk to someone like yourself here on the show today. So appreciate you taking the time out of your day to join us. Well, thank you. No, it was my pleasure. Yeah, and so one of the first places we'd like to start, really, is talk about kind of what led up to Citizen Aid. So everything like highlights along your life and career. So everything from what made you want to be a firefighter, how you, what you did before that, to the idea and coming up with Citizen Aid. Yeah, absolutely. So um, in my background, as you said, is in public safety. So I'm in my 25th year uh, in the fire service as a firefighter and EMT. Um, I started when I was a uh, student at Denison University, uh, volunteering with the Granville, then the Granville Fire Department, Inc. But as the uh, area has grown, uh, so has our staffing. And we went from a volunteer department to a fully paid department uh, shortly after that. But uh, I've always had an interest in in public safety. And that was sort of the launching pad for, for my career there. On a parallel track, though, worked in the uh, pre-hospital medical equipment industry, both on the distribution side and the manufacturing side. So uh, making products that went into ambulances and went into law enforcement vehicles and, and the military. The sort of mixture of those two things um, was really kind of the nucleus of Citizen Aid because what, what it was was seeing an absolute need that we had in this country with sort of the uptick in, in types of incidents, especially violent incidents, where um, the ultimate goal is to get to those patients faster. And as a first responder, um, you know, I, either responding to live incidents or doing a heck of a lot of training, um, we, the, the gap in time was was prevalent. And, and it, was, it, was, it was glaringly obvious that no matter how quick we could get there as first responders, uh, we weren't getting there fast enough. So it was it was time to take a look at that um, and figure out a way how we could empower the public to start saving these people before we got there. So uh, so that's it. So we, we looked at uh, where it was being done successfully and really the military was, was the first, first place we looked. Um, and we found a program that was teaching 18 and 19 year old infantrymen with no medical experience how to save their buddies' lives before combat medics got there. Um, and we looked at what they did there and we uh, took that as a model and started to contextualize it for Citizen Aid, um, and that was the nucleus of it. So we want to spend the majority of the episode talking about Citizen Aid and the initiatives that you guys have going on, but um, anytime somebody comes on and, and they're doing some entrepreneurial, it's kind of, uh, we want to get in their head a little bit and understand more of the background. So sure. talk about maybe any high notes or milestones throughout childhood that kind of uh, set the preface to make you want to um, get into the profession that you did and, and kind of help spark these entrepreneurial roots that you're exhibiting today? Yeah. Um, so I, I would say, you know, going back to childhood, uh, I'm actually a transplant to the Midwest. I grew up uh, in New York City. I grew up in Manhattan and uh, probably um, at, you know, four or five, you know, the, the age where, where little boys are really into, the, into firefighters and, and big red fire trucks. In between the grocery store, we did the majority of our shopping in our apartment was a fire station. So uh, literally walking with bags of groceries and my mom from early childhood, passing this firehouse and, and just being the, the kid, like all kids, that's what I want to do when I grow up. Uh, but I never grew out of that stage. And so when I got to Denison um, and then had the ability to jump on the fire department there and get the training and, and get class credit for it and then and then uh, spend probably more time in the firehouse than I did in my books, which drove my parents nuts. But uh, but that was sort of the, the, the nucleus that, that really got me going into the fire service, um, seeing the difference that I could make from a clinical standpoint. Um, but then uh, mixing that with the business side of it saying, okay, there's a way that we can um, we can blend both of those together. Um, but then also really from a, from a social side of it, that was really the most important thing to us was as we started to launch Citizen Aid, 
hey, you know, not only can we um, can we take some some clinical experience that, that I have, we can mix it with some some of the, the medical equipment industry experience that I had, but also how can we give back? And and we'll talk about it here in a second. But but the 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 one of the main parts of Citizen Aid is is our give back into the community through our educational match. And why Denison and why the Midwest? Well, good question. So I went to uh, I went to a prep school in uh, in upstate New York or, or Dutchess County, just north of of New York City, the Millbrook School, and and uh, it was a as New England prep schools is a, a feeder school. Denison was was one of them, but I was looking at smaller schools, Denison size liberal arts colleges in New England, and my college guidance uh, counselor said, uh, "Hey, I want you to take a look at Denison," and I said, "I've heard Denison. Where is it?" And he said, "It's, it's in Ohio," and I was like, oh, "There's no way I'm going to Ohio. That's, that's not happening." Uh, and he said, well, "Do me a favor, go look at it." He said, I think you're going to fall in love with Granville. It's just like a New England town. Um, and I said, well, I'll do it. Um, it happened to be the one trip that my parents could make with me because of schedules and wound up at Denison. Well, to, did the, you know, went out for the weekend, took the tour and the whole deal. Came back. My parents said, what do you think? I said, well, if I get in, I'm, I'm going. And they were just as blown away as I think, Ohio? And I said, yep. Well, they, they came out shortly thereafter, dropped me off that August and fell in love with the town as well. And and uh, I've been there ever since. So you get to Denison. Yep. And you move out to Ohio, where do you go from there? Yeah, so um, after graduation of Denison, um, went to Atlanta briefly um, to to pursue what was, a, I thought at the time, a, a career in commercial real estate. I'd made the uh, fatal faux pas of taking the first job offer I got my senior year in college. Um, and it was with a commercial real estate firm, thought that would be great, could pick any city I wanted to move to. I had a bunch of friends in Atlanta, moved to Atlanta, went on a draw with them, and about four months in realized, like, uh, this is not what I want to do. Um, had a good friend of mine who was in uh, communications back in, in Columbus, who graduated a couple years ahead of me at Denison, said, uh, hey, if you want to come back to the Midwest, you know, I'd love to hire you. Um, he had a communications firm here in town. So I said, I do. And that gave me the opportunity to get right back on the fire department. I moved back to Granville as a 22-year-old. And so that was a little weird being, you know, I could have lived in Columbus, but but wanted to live out there so I could be on the fire department. And um, that was short-lived as I was, um, I had the opportunity to join a company that was in the medical equipment industry that sold direct directly into fire departments and EMS agencies. Uh, they found me and uh, and I was with them for several years uh, before really starting starting the Citizen Aid program. So now let's jump into Citizen Aid. Um, I know you spoke a little bit briefly about it earlier, but maybe uh, the mission about it, um, what initiatives you guys have going on and kind of the, the direction of the entire uh, organization. Sure. So. Our, our mission itself was a daunting one. You know, our goal is to empower 300 million Americans to to think differently and to actually act and to and to help save lives. And so, as a group that started out of three, and you know, now we're about up to close to eight. But it was um, how do how do we do that? How do we take a program that was a military program and a how do we contextualize it uh, for civilian use? But how do we how do we disseminate it? How do we get that information out there? So what we did was we we created basically three forward-facing deliverables to the public. Um, the nucleus of the program is free, and it's it's a free app. It's a life-saving app. It's basically a guide that teaches the person how to instructs the person how to get themselves to safety should they be caught up in one of these incidents. How to guide other people to safety, and then when you're in a safe place, uh, how to uh, triage people who might be injured around you, and then how do you treat them ultimately before help gets there. The program follows the FBI's run hide fight. It reads off 
off the same playbook as Homeland Security's See Something, Say Something, um, and then also the National Initiative, the Stop the Bleed Initiative when it comes to, to treatment of, of especially uh, external hemorrhage control or severe bleeding. Um, and so we wrapped it up into kind of a neat package. We put it out on, on the App Store and, and Google Play, and, and uh, it's free, like I said. It'll never have an ad on it. It's kind of our, our gift back to the community um, as a whole. Uh, it has been downloaded about 600,000 times globally now. Um, it's, it's really, it's, the eyes are coming on it and, and, and it's, it's great. It's exactly what we wanted. So out of the three deliverables, that's one. We knew that the app wouldn't necessarily be enough. So I used my wife kind of as a litmus test. She's in retail. And, and uh, you know, honey, if, if someone dropped in front of you, you know, would, would the app be enough? And she looked at me with this big eyes and no, it wouldn't be enough. So how do we get the education and the actual training in front of people? And the, the way we knew that we could do it quickly uh, and effectively and consistently was through online education, online classes. So the second deliverable is online training. Um, and we came out of the gate with two, two of those classes is one for the whole public called Citizen Aid 101 and one specifically for K through 12 teachers and administrators called ESAC or educators, school administrators and coaches. The goal with those classes was, A, we have to keep them short, right? So people have to get through them fairly quickly and get all the information they need. Uh, and so they're under an hour to take. Um, and the other part was we have to make them affordable. So they cost $14 to take, and you can take it as many times as you want for six months. And then what's cool about it is, is CitizenAid then matches those classes. So a, a person a general from the general public takes a class, CitizenAid matches it one for one and trains a teacher for free. And so that match works a couple of different ways. Our goal as an organization is to train a million U.S. educators for free. Um, we've trained over 10,000, actually close to 15,000 just the last several months. So the match works a couple of different ways. If, if you, Mike or Josh, want to take a class, we hold on to that match at the end of the quarter. We've got 500, 1,000 of them. We go to a school district and say, hey, we want to train all of your people. Here's a license code for them to log on and take it. If you guys own a business, though, and this is where it gets exciting, you guys own a business and say you have a thousand employees. You train your thousand retail employees on how to how to treat these types of wounds and how to get to safety. We then give you the business a thousand teacher licenses that you can train a thousand teachers in a school district of your choice. So that works out to be a win-win-win. The associates get trained, your customers are safer, uh, and then the you get to give back to the community. So from a philanthropic side, the company gets to give back to their local schools. And um, then the third way the match works is if a school district say they've got a thousand employees, they would only buy five hundred licenses. Is we keep we give them the other 500 we keep the match internal so it works only to be seven dollars a staff member so um, like i said our goal is to get to a million u.s teachers trained for free we've trained uh, almost fifteen thousand here in the last couple months and and um and that's that's really sort of the social mission behind the program and then the final thing is is public treatment kit so we um we teach people how to improvise medical equipment so how to make a tourniquet out of you know literally a dinner napkin and, and a butter knife um you know macgyver style i said jokingly but in all seriousness but we know that nothing beats the real thing and so just like with when someone has a heart attack, you know, we want everyone to know good quality CPR, but we also know that if there's an AED or defibrillator on the wall, that the person's chance of survival is that much better. Same thing with trauma, right? We teach you how to improvise a tourniquet, but if we have a commercial grade tourniquet and the instructions on how to use it and people feel comfortable using it, then that's better. So we have public access equipment or public treatment kits that are in schools and classrooms in large common you know, areas in, in schools in businesses, at Port Columbus Airport, it's next to every AED in the airport. You'll see a Citizen Aid wall station with multiple kits in it. So um, so that's the goal is to to really become kind of that Kleenex of public safety. So when people see the brand, they know, oh my gosh, I've got the app on my phone. I've, I know exactly what to do. And I, I know that I've got four or five minutes to act here before that person could succumb to their injuries. And there's a couple steps I can take to save their life.
Hey there, Conquerors. We're going to take a quick break in the show here to tell you about one of our sponsors, Mix Wonders. Creating a podcast is a ton of work, and a lot of heart and soul goes into your work, and that's why you want your audience to have the best listening experience possible. And that's why we work with Mix Wonders. Mix Wonders is an agency that helps podcasters like us get the most out of their audio. And whether you're spending four hours mixing your podcast each week, or you just can't seem to get the level of quality you want out of your audio, Mix Wonders makes it super simple to get pop star level audio at a low price. For a limited time, they are offering to mix your first episode for free. So just go to mixwonders.com. That's M I X. W-O-N-D-E-R-S.com to sign up for a free mix or consultation. Save time, sound professional, mix wonders. So it sounds like there's just a lot. I mean, you guys have quite a few different initiatives going on, and it sounds like you spread out to a lot of different places. And early on, though, I mean, there had to be some bigger challenges in getting the message out early on. And I'm always curious about that, right? So when you first rolled out Citizen Aid, were there, was it hard to get the message out or did you find people pretty receptive? And what, what were some of the strategies you guys were using early on in the company to, to really uh, push that message across? Yeah, Mike, that's a good question. And I would say that it's, it's always a challenge, you know, and, and what, we're in a unique position because we're, we're the only ones doing this as a complete program. And so we don't get a lot of no's, but it's getting the message out, like, like you said. So uh, very early on, we, we opened our doors eight days before the tragedy in Parkland, Florida. So uh, right before the Marjorie Stoneman shooting and, and school shooting. So unbeknownst to us, so schools are always going to be a focus of ours, but we've been literally drinking out of kind of that educational fire hose ever since then um, and really heavily focused on schools. So one of the first things we did was we went to the U.S. School Superintendents Association, the AASA, and we said, hey, here's what we're doing. Here's our mission, uh, and here's what we can, we can give to your members. And immediately they said, hey, we, we want to partner with you. So we became, this is you know four months after we started, we became the exclusive emergency medicine and bleeding control partner to the U.S. School Superintendents Association. So that gave us a platform. That gave us a voice to a target audience of ours that we could immediately come in with a turnkey solution that's inexpensive, you know, the majority of it is free um, and put our put our solution into schools. So that helped us a lot in getting that message out. Um, we became a national education partner to the Stop the Bleed initiative. Uh, and so that was another voice that, that automatically had a platform out there in hemorrhage control and could help us spread our word and our messaging that way. So that was helpful. And then what we found is the third way, and actually probably the most exciting way, we're, we're, we're starting these corporate partnerships. And so really private-public partnerships where we're marrying ourselves next to businesses. And like I use, I use the match as an example. So Park National Bank was our first corporate partnership. And Park National Corporation, which is, which is headquartered in Newark, um, is a parent uh, company to, to 13 different uh, individual banks. Uh, and so they're spread out about 130 branches, uh, and they train nearly 1,000 of their, of their bank employees. We gave them the 1,000 the matching licenses they went to train teachers. But then what Park did was they took it to the next level. So Park said, great, we're going to give these, these teachers the training, but we want to put equipment in schools. So then they went to Lickey Memorial Health Systems and said, hey, we want to we donate X amount of dollars. Would you think about matching it? And Lickey said, we're absolutely on board, but you know, hey, we can't just do two schools in Licking County. We want to do all ten of them. So let's find two more partners and go at it that way. So they did, and the the result of that was 
Every classroom in Licking County has now received a treatment kit. Every teacher in Licking County and staff member in every school has received the training. And then every common area in every school has received the wall stations with the multiple kits in it. So they completely outfitted a county. Um, and then what Park did was they said, well, that worked great. Let that be our model. And they went to First Knox Bank, which is their affiliate bank in Knox County, and said, hey, here's what we did in Licking County. Go, go after it. So they went to Cocosing and Ariel and United Way of Knox County, did the exact same thing. And so the same results happened in Knox County where every classroom, every teacher, every school. So um, so that's really the model going forward. And, and the companies are incredibly receptive. And that that amplified our voice. That helped deliver our message, if that answers your question. So what does the, the zero to one, the more granular steps of getting the initiative off the ground look like? I mean, I think a lot of times uh, people who create something that's become so successful overlook those early days when the struggle was kind of real. So you had the idea come about um, who did you turn to and how did you get the ball rolling to start the momentum? Yeah, so that that was probably um, as someone who was in the clinical space and saw the need being so great for this and, and someone who had never started something on his own before. I had the misconception that we're going to open our doors and we're going to turn the lights on. We're going to make a call to the Today Show and you know, I'm going to be on the couch in a week telling them about the benefits of this and everyone's going to jump on board and we're going to train a million teachers for free. And that was that was, that was was about as far from accurate as, as I could be. So so that was the the struggle and was really sort of mentally preparing myself as like, hey, there's just a couple of you spreading the word and this is, this is going to take um, a groundswell of momentum to build. So that was that was initially the the issue. Um, I think what we did was once we realized that um, it's just going to take sort of building it from from the grassroots side out, and and we're still very much grassroots. I mean, don't let me fool you. It's it's we're we're just we're just getting started, but. Um, I think for 18 months in, we're at a point now where we're going, okay, we've had enough people validate this and say yes, uh, that it's it's now going to start start to really scale up. Okay. And then what about going to build the app, right? And those sorts of things. Like when did you, like, did you go hire a team? Like were you, did you find someone you knew that could help build? Like, because you've got an app, you've got a couple different components to this, right? So what about what about those types of things in building the product? Yeah, so so the app was actually the app is is actually a pretty cool thing. It's a, it's basically a glorified PDF, and so what we did first was we created a pocket guide, uh, and so that is actually in each one of our kits, and we, and we we have the pocket guide available um, on its own. But basically, it's sort of this it's a it's a folding accordion style sheet that has all the safety messages we want to deliver on one side and all the medical messages on the other, and so we basically made the app out of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and what's nice about the app is, is once you download it, you don't need cell service to operate it. So heaven forbid, you say you're in a natural disaster where you know, the cell signal is, is the connectivity is, is down, or say you're in a building or a stadium where you don't have any cell service, all you do is fire up the app and it's all right there at your fingertips and you can go through uh, and utilize it. So so once we had the pocket guide done, um, you know, brains much smarter than mine, we're able to easily transform that into a, a simple to use sort of pictorial app. And so that was done fairly quickly, um, and then it was the uh, the online training. Then that really was sort of the that took a time to to build up. And and the key with the online training was we wanted subject matter experts that had a tremendous amount of experience, both on the safety, which is the first half of the hour, and on the medical, which is the second half. So we we found those people. Our medical director, Dr. Schwartz, is the is the is the medical subject matter expert, and we have a gentleman that I'd taken a class from multiple classes from, um, who a guy by the name of Mike Stenson, who trains um, almost all of our federal agencies, law enforcement and active shooter response. Uh, he's out of Virginia Beach, Virginia. And then our own Gail Hogan here, 
here from uh, who retired from NBC4 after 30 years uh, is our is our moderator for all of our training. Um, and Gail has a very unique story. And the reason why I approached her, several years ago, Gail actually had a cardiac episode at work where she went into sudden cardiac arrest. She had a heart attack and her life was saved by her coworkers at NBC who knew how to do really good quality CPR. And obviously she made a full recovery and went on to a phenomenal career uh, in broadcasting and, and then now on her own after her retirement. But I heard her tell that story at a, at a talk she was giving and went to her and said, hey, um, you, you've been there firsthand. This is what we want to do from a trauma side. We want to empower the public to know what to do from a trauma side. Would you be willing to, to help us? And she said, I'll do anything you want. What do you, what do you need? And so mm-hmm. she's our online training moderator and, and she does a wonderful job. And as we roll out more, more and more programs, she's definitely part of the team. So. so what are some of the goals for the future? You're looking ahead over the next one, two, three, five years, however far out you plan. What does that look like for you and the team? Yeah. So um, again, to establish more, to grow our, our partnership with corporations, to develop uh, products that are specific for different needs. And so one of the one of the first things that we're actually just launching now, and Franklin County and surrounding will be the first agencies in the country to do it, um, is we've created a, what we're calling a public safety drop kit. And what that is, is as we talked about empowering the public, if we're going to use active shooter as an example, one thing that the public is is unaware of or not as um, not as aware of, I should say, until they take our classes, they believe that when just like if you were injured or you're having some kind of medical issue, you dial 911 and help is is right there. Is you know inside of four or five minutes, you know a medic shows up and 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 takes care of business. In a violent incident, that that response is delayed because the first folks that are arriving at those first responders that are arriving at those incidents is the police, and their job is is what their sole mission is to stop the killing or to neutralize the threat. And so what those law enforcement officers have to do, which is very difficult for them, is they have to step over the injured to literally advance towards the, the killer. And so when they do that, and, and the problem is, is that the public, they dial 911, they hear the sirens coming very quickly because the police have the ability to be there quickly, and they think that help is right there. Well, then the police step over them and, and continue on through the building. So I was precepting several several drills or exercises that our department and other departments were doing, and I saw this happen. And, and I said, wait a second, so we've got this concept of, of the public helping themselves. Why don't we develop a tool for law enforcement who gets there, you know, maybe sometimes 60, 90 seconds after 911 is dialed for them to, to give to the public? So we have these drop kits that can be carried at the police cruiser level. That so when the law enforcement officer gets out, he has his long gun, he goes in and literally they're trained now to enter the building immediately, either by themselves or with their first partner that arrives, which has totally changed since Columbine. So they literally grab a citizen aid drop kit out of their car, put it over their shoulder. As they enter the building, they encounter their first injured people. They unclip it, drop it on the ground and say, everything you need to treat those wounds and the instructions to do so are in this bag right here in, the, in these yellow kits. Um, and so we, we developed that program. We've now got Homeland Security in Franklin County distributing that amongst to cruisers all across the region. Um, it'll be the first place in the country to do that. So to answer the long answer to your question, uh, we're developing solutions to go across a broader market that are all tied into the same root cause. We want to develop these partnerships and we want to grow across the country. We want to spread that message, like you said, to, to places that don't know about us yet. So um, so that's we're in multiple, we're in about five states now, and, and obviously we want to grow our, our team to, to be able to disseminate this information a lot, a lot broader. From a growing a team perspective, you mentioned wanting to grow the team, but you know, is is 
You said you have eight. Is eight full time? Well, no. So it's it's spread out across multiple assets. So we've got you know our we have a kitting facility that that does all of our our kitting and our product and all that. So they're they're working for us and for other companies to do that. So so I'm the only full time paid employee, but we've got two medical directors who are working on our behalf, um, and we've got some 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 people who are helping out. But but no, it's it's a really really small group right now that that we're going to be growing here shortly. Okay. Okay. What do you see? What do you see your biggest obstacles being? Right, right now, it's just getting getting that word out. Is is being able to find the right people to disseminate that information. And so, again, it's not um, it's it's telling the story effectively and getting in front of the right people. As a, a mindset, as a whole, as a public, people are still have that kind of it's not going to happen to me attitude, or, or you know, you see it on the news. But the fact of the matter is, it's just this crazy uptick in, in these types of events as we're seeing, um, you know, it's it's almost getting buried in the news right now because it's happening so frequently. So it's it's really that education and empowerment component to find the right people who can tell the story and the importance of getting that word out. That's that's really the key. And, and probably our biggest obstacle right now is finding the right people to do that. Mm-hmm. Okay. And, and, and are there other ways to support other than downloading the app, buying a training session to match teach or anything else that people could do if they're if they're out there listening? Yeah, absolutely. So it's it's really just letting people know, spreading the word. So on social media it's Citizen Aid USA. Um, it's you know getting to our website and, and sharing it with, you know, houses of worship are a big one. So we're working right now with the Columbus Jewish community and the Ohio Jewish communities. Um, and and a lot of these these churches and synagogues and schools are talking about infrastructure hardening when they come to security, you know, which is very, very important. And, and to do and and uh, but what we're we're looking having them look at is okay something happens and it might not be a violent act but someone's seriously hurt in your facility um, how do we empower the people inside to to treat those wounds and so so that's the thing so people who are listening can absolutely just spread our word get on social media spread our word um, and then uh, and then and start talking. Our last question of the show it's centered on the theme and conquering Columbus which is live uncomfortably. Yep. Curious to hear. Obviously, uh, I think your uh, your entire life and your career speaks to it. But what does it mean to you personally, and how do you think it relates to your life, your career, and, and the goals and mission of Citizen Aid? Yeah, so I think um, taking taking chances, uh, you know, so taking leaving my comfort zone was was getting on a fire truck or getting on an ambulance, and and um, and that sounds strange probably to most of your listeners, but um, but that was what I so bringing calm to chaos is kind of what I exceeded at and 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 excelled at and did did the best. So. So I think leaving that a little bit and saying, okay, now I've got a really daunting task of taking my skill set, my calm, and trying to empower other people to do it. And so, uh, and leaving leaving um, what I what I did every day and saying, okay, now we're gonna we're gonna stop everything, and I'm gonna try and deliver this message and and these tools to the American public. And so that was probably the most daunting thing, and frankly, still is. I mean, it's the, the you know, you know, I, I'm up all, all night a lot of times just thinking, you know, once I wake up, you know, the mind starts spinning, and how are we going to do this, and, and how are we going to get this message across, and who am I going to talk to next that can help um, excel, excel that message so or spread it out. So I would say my uncomfortable is, um, is, is starting this and knowing there's a huge task in front of us and figuring out how we're going to do it, how we're going to accomplish it. Well, Bob, wish you the best of luck at that. And uh, Conquerors, if you guys want to learn more about Bob and his team, check out the links down in the show notes. Definitely go out and support. Uh, Bob, we really appreciate you taking the time to tell your story here on the show. Mike, Josh, thank you so much. It's a pleasure and an honor. Yep. And Conquerors, thanks a lot for tuning in. That was Bob Otter of Citizen Aid. Again, check out all those links down in the show notes. If you enjoyed this episode, leave us a like, share us on Facebook, share it across all your different social media platforms. We really appreciate everyone tuning in. 
and we'll talk to you next week. Hey, Conquerors, that's it for the episode today. I hope you guys enjoyed that episode and learned a lot. If you did, make sure to leave a like, share us on Facebook with your friends. We really appreciate all your support. And every time you share our podcast or leave a review on iTunes, it really does help us out. Before we let you go, we want to take one last moment to thank all of our incredible sponsors here at Conquering Columbus. And that starts with Small Biz Cares. Small Biz Cares is a nonprofit founded by socially conscious community leaders here in Columbus. And their goal is to connect, mobilize, and inspire small businesses to create lasting positive impact in our community. Small Biz Cares members have the unique opportunity to work with like-minded businesses to raise money and participate in large-scale volunteer efforts and improve educational opportunity for youth in our community. To learn more, visit smallbizcares.org. That's smallbizcares.org. Conquering Columbus is also brought to you in part by the Sundown Group. The Sundown Group is an Ohio-based nonprofit helping connect entrepreneurs to everything they need, including investors, mentors, capital, and talent through business pitch events, workshops, and classes throughout the state, and you can get more information on the web at sundownrundown.org. And now I'm going to kick it back to Josh to tell you about our last sponsor, FMX. FMX is a cloud-based facilities maintenance and management software founded and headquartered right here in Columbus, Ohio. There's a lot of competitors in this space, but FMX has made a name for itself, become the fastest-growing facilities maintenance and management software on the market on behalf of its extreme ease of use and tailored-fit approach to its clients. They serve industries ranging from education to property management, manufacturing, fast casual, and more. If you want to check out more, you can go to gofmx.com. If you could drop me anywhere on the planet in any environment, and I might get you know, my head kicked in in the beginning, but I'll find a way to survive. I'll find a way to get the job done. Yeah, there's a little doubt, but you know what? Once again, I think of that guy in my ear. I think about stepping up to the stage. I think about the challenge. Like, I've lost sometimes, but I've won more than I've lost. And so, like, I bet on me any day. Choosing greatness. Greatness doesn't choose you. You know, you have to choose it. And, you know, it's hard. I think there was a hunger in me. There was a desire just to make a difference. There was a desire to not just be status quo. A desire to not be average. This is Conquering Columbus.